Welcome, everyone. Very special guest today. We are being visited by Charlotte Laws. Uh, you saw her featured prominently in the documentary on Netflix called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. And she actually made an appearance on my old HLN show 10 some odd years ago uh, on The Most Hated Man on the Internet. And that shows up, that interview she and I did with Hunter Moore, who's the guy uh, sort of at the, the center of all this. And we're going to talk about that. Her new book is Undercover, Undercover Debutante. Also, she has another book, Rebel in High Heels. We're going to talk about that version of her life as well, what, what that was all about, and then what she has been doing uh, since I last interviewed her. She has helped, let me get you this data right, I think over 500, yeah, over 500 victim, victims of non-consensual pornography, uh, sextortion, and morphed porn. We're going to find out what that's all about and how AI and technology is making this problem even worse. So we are very privileged to be uh, welcoming Charlotte to the show today, and we'll get right to this interview after this intro. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous <laughs> I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble. You can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. So what we're talking about today is Charlotte Laws. What happened to her, if you guys have not seen the documentary, and I don't know where you all have been if you have not, uh, her, a topless photo of her daughter was hacked and then posted on a revenge porn site. And uh, Charlotte then worked incessantly for, I think it was two years, to bring the, mm, what should we say? I don't want us to call him the brains behind that website, but he was sort of the man behind it. And there was a whole culture and community that went with it. He eventually went to prison and uh, I think he's back out now. Um, and now I, I don't think he has any remorse for what he did. But uh, Caleb, maybe you want to speak to the documentary because you were the one that alerted me. You were, you were quite giddy about it. <laughs> yeah, Drew, this is the, the crazy thing about working with you is that a lot of times I can just be watching any random show and suddenly your face will pop in. And then out of nowhere, you'll become part of this story. <laughs> And I remember watching it and texting <laughs> so you and saying, you, you need to watch this documentary that just came out <laughs> on Netflix here about this whole story. And it was so bizarre because by, you know, by the time I got to episode two, it's you had pretty much played a, a, a big part in the whole story, you know, a, as someone it, it was kind of a stage where she I guess it was one of the first times when she exposed him to the world. So it, it was it was very it interesting was to me. Yeah. Th that it, certainly the exposure that way, but more importantly, it was the first time she had the opportunity to confront him right. publicly. Why don't we? Why don't we just to set everything up properly? Show that little clip you put together of what we're talking about here. Yeah, here it is. This guy is the internet's most hated man. Hunter, are you with us? Yes, I'm here, Doctor Drew. 
We're taking calls all Go show ahead. tonight, and I've got someone on, on the phone who wants to talk to you. Now, her daughter was one of the young women that uh, ended up on Hunter's webpage. And then Charlotte Laws pops up. Charlotte, there you are. Tell me what happened. That was the best use of that big screen I think we ever had. <laughs> there were a couple <laughs> other times when I... I I, I remember one other time, I'll be, oh, this is just a funny aside. The only other time I enjoyed using that big screen so much was when we had the mob wives up there. And I was trying to, <laughs> trying to, trying to, trying to interview them. Uh, but, but Charlotte was the most effective use of the, of the big screen because then she could go on and uh, have at Hunter a little bit. I, I really want to play the rest of that. Would you mind playing the, the other piece? Yeah, uh, I, I have another Kayla? clip here yeah. that we can use. Let's play this. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the parts that I actually did on the site, you know, is me submitting girls. Um, or I am ashamed, sorry, let me rephrase that. <laughs> he's not even what he's sure what he's ashamed of. Because the truth is he's not ashamed of any of it. <laughs> that laugh. That indeed seems to be the truth. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He, it, it, well, well, let's welcome Charlotte Laws to the program. Charlotte, come on in here. Hi. There you are. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, uh, when did you find out they were going to do a documentary about all you've been up to? Um, a couple of years ago, I guess we filmed it about a year ago and, um, you know, it was, I thought they did an excellent job putting it together. I mean, it's a beautifully, um, put together documentary by the filmmakers and I'm very proud and happy to be part of it. Is your daughter doing well? Does she feel equally as, as, uh, satisfied by the experience? daughter originally didn't want to be part of it and she mm. had said no until about the day before they were to wrap all the filming and then she said oh, okay i'll do half a day and the reason she was hesitant is because she was worried that being linked to this issue would hurt her real estate business and she thought her clients would see that she had a topless picture online and then not want to work with her so she's kind of had mixed feelings about it, even though she knows it's a really important project and it's important to get the message across, not only to educate the public, but also to push for federal legislation on this issue. And um, but she's doing very well. She just got married about a month ago and she's doing very well in her real estate career and very happy. And, and I'm guessing... I'm guessing this helped. I can't see how it could hurt. I mean, it's it's a different time than 10 years ago. People understand what's been happening and how how egregious this can be. They don't blame the individuals for screwing around as a kid with a with a phone with a camera on it, you know, that that's sort of ubiquitous. And the fact that she was victimized so thoroughly and had the courage to stand up and talk about it, I would think that'd be a net positive for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, society has changed a lot since that period of time. Uh, the victim blaming was rampant back then by everyone, politicians, media, mm. ordinary people. Mm. And now we've had the Me Too movement. So everything has really shifted. And there's a very different view out there and victims are supported. So I agree with you. It's completely changed the way society views this type of thing. In fact, one of the you you did another appearance with me on HLN when we were talking about Bill Cosby and you were very clear then before the rest of us were so clear about what was happening, right? I did. Actually, I had a friend who had actually dated Bill Cosby and he had drugged her. And so I had known the whole story a long time prior. I just had never come forward with my information. 
And I kind of regretted that I hadn't come forward sooner. I kind of thought everything was handled way back when, and that, you know, other victims had come forward and that my testimony wasn't needed. But I, as time passed, I realized it was important to come forward and speak up and in order if you really want to protect victims. And that you have done with, I guess, over 500 victims of this sort of, how do we call, does this category, because I think it included doxing and all kinds of things. So does this category have a name other than just internet exploitation? Well, it was, you know, it was people that were victims of revenge porn, sextortion, which also kind of has to do with nude pictures, and then morphed porn, which is putting someone's head on a porn star's body. So it looks like you're nude mm. online, even though it's not really you. So I've talked to 500, over 500 victims, but that's over a 10-year period of time. So it's over a very mm. long period. And people contact me just because I have some expertise now on the issue. And obviously, I've been through it with my own family. And, and I'm guessing that spiked up after the documentary. Is that, is that something you're doing on a daily basis now? It's, it's very time consuming because I am getting I those kinds of requests, but I'm also getting just thousands of emails from very sweet emails from people. And I mean, it's just overwhelming from all over the world and it's very hard to keep up with it. I'm, I'm trying to read every single one of them and every single message, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, it's kind of hard because it's overwhelming plus getting requests and trying to counsel people when I can. Let me ask a kind of a general question that occurs to me, which is that, you know, Hunter was just the most egregious example of what people are able to do to harm other people in the digital space, particularly social media and, and websites, that kind of thing. But we kind of live in a time when we're all looking at social media in particular and going, this needs to be controlled and something, something needs to be done. This is... The, the, the people that want to hurt other people are hurting them without any consequence. Does this phenomenon that you've taken on trickle down to other areas of, uh, you know, bullying and hatred online? Well, I, I don't support bullying or hatred online. And I started something called Tribs Over Trolls, which is tributes or like compliments. And so basically the idea was to kind of get the general public to come together to support victims when someone's being bullied, you know, to put out positive mm. comments, to compliment them, to support them. But I'm, I'm really very much a free speech advocate. And I don't feel that revenge porn is the same thing as verbal speech. I think it's a completely different category. I think that revenge porn should be an exception to the First Amendment, just like child pornography. And so I do support people being able to say what they want online for the most part, as long as it's not in violation of a law. So I, you know, I'm not really in favor of tech companies playing God or playing police and going on and making decisions about who's going to get to speak and who isn't, or who's going to be kicked off the platform, because I think a lot of it has been political. I think a lot of it is biased. I mean, I'm a person, for example, who is an animal advocate. Well, there's a lot of abuse of animals online. There's a lot of really horrible things that they don't take off because they don't think most people are offended by that. But some people are. Hmm. So when tech companies are making decisions about what's offensive and what's not, they're really making very biased decisions and saying, oh, well, people are offended by you know these comments, but oh, we can show dead animals. We can show this and that. And who cares about those people? So I think to be fair and just, 
they shouldn't be censoring so much. Fair enough. Susan, did you lean in because you wanted to say something? I saw you. I can always no, tell no, when no. you lean in. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. It was a controversial um, position. I realized. <laughs> yeah, she's got to see her lean in. Like, huh? What's going on? No, I, by the way, uh, I, I don't think that's a controversial decision. Uh, to me, free speech is free speech. Br bring it on. Um, but there, there needs to be, I, I worry about the 230 exemption. I, I worry that people can get really harmed, much in the way that your daughter was, and nobody has any consequence for it. I mean, thank God. Well, describe what actually happened, what you actually found out that allowed you to do something with, with this maniac. Well, I mean, my daughter was hacked and it was because she was hacked that we were, that I was able to do something. If it, Otherwise, the only law that even could remotely help me was the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, because that's the only law that you know pertained at that time. And that's really for civil cases. So with somebody like Hunter Moore, it's not really going to do much because he was not afraid of civil since he had no money. He didn't care if he got sued for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I have since learned that the perps who do, who put up and distribute revenge porn are very afraid of law enforcement, not civil cases. So that's why laws are really important. And I do support revenge porn laws. I definitely support a federal law. It's really important that we put something in place, which we don't have now. And the actual, the main obstacle has been the ACLU who do, believes that nude pictures are, are speech. And so they've been fighting us from day one. I totally do not agree with them. And now we also have the certain individuals in the, like the progressive side of the Democratic Party who are defund the police mindset, who do not want additional laws. They do not want more people to go to jail. So therefore they're against it now. So according to Jackie Spear, who is the Congresswoman who brought forth this particular federal measure, she says there's only a 4% chance that something's going to pass and she's retiring wow. after this term. So who's going to, mm. you know, take on the banner? I have no idea. Is, is this something that could be handled on a state by state basis? Well, we have laws. We actually have laws now in 49 different states. And, um, but mm. the problem is, is that a, most of them are misdemeanors. They're kind of a slap on the wrist. And secondly, it's confusing. All the laws are different from one state to another. Mm. So, you know, if you have a, a victim in Georgia and a perpetrator in Utah, you don't even know which law pertains. And South Carolina doesn't even have a law yet at all. So um, it's very important that we have a federal law and that it have some teeth to it and that it be able to be a felony, even if it's what you call a wobbler. A wobbler means that the judge could decide whether it's a felony or a misdemeanor, which is what we were trying to get passed in California, but we were not able to succeed. I, I'm wondering if you have any other cases that you could share with us that you are particularly proud of or, or, or been particularly perhaps heart-wrenching, dramatic, whatever it might be, uh, other than your daughters. Are there things you can share? Because you've done a lot of this. Are there other stories out there that help us understand the breadth of, and extent of this problem? Well, one of the victims on Hunter's site was from Iran, and his followers were saying, oh, I hope she gets stoned to death. And she was really freaked out because she has a very conservative family, and her father said they needed to take a trip back to Iran to visit relatives. And she was completely uh -oh. freaked out because she was afraid that she'd be killed. I mean, the authorities in Iran would imprison her or kill her 
for having a, a topless picture online. So she was desperate to get her picture off of Hunter's site. Um, there was a teacher from Kansas who I, I knew about. I knew she was going to get posted because Hunter put it on Twitter. Should I post these teachers' pictures? And his followers were saying, oh, I hope she gets fired. You know, she's a slut. You know, go ahead and do it. So he did post those pictures. And it was the name of the school, a lot of her personal information. I called the school the next morning. And she was in her, had been in her classroom. I left a message for her to call me back. And when she walked into her classroom that morning, the principal came in and said, get your things together and go home. And she said, why? He said, get your things together and go home. So she walks out past the front desk. They give her my message to call her. She walks into the parking lot. She gets on her phone. She calls me. I'm the first person to tell her she was on that site. She was absolutely freaked out. She didn't know what to do. She ended up having to face the entire school board because Hunter's followers were sending her nude pictures to the school board, to parents, to anybody they could to try to get her fired, to try to ruin her life. And that's what Hunter's site was about. It wasn't about pornography. It was about humiliation. It was about ruining people forever. It was about trying to drive people to suicide. Do we know, any other than what we know about him, do we, do we know... Anything about these other people that are part of his so-called the family? They just sound all like horrible, horrible sociopaths. Yeah, I, you know, so he had at the time 600,000 followers on Twitter. And, um, mm. you know, some of them would say things like, I will kill for you, father. I mean, they were devoted. It was a cult. They used Charles Manson mm. language. They called themselves the family. They were the children. Hunter was the father. And they did really outrageous stuff. When Hunter would ask them to do things, they did it. And so that's what was scary to me because I was getting death threats. Mm. I was getting bombarded with computer viruses. I even had a stalker at my house. That's not in the documentary, but that happened. They kind of ran out of time, I guess, to cover everything. And it's scary because these are anonymous people. You don't know who these people are. And they, you know, they could be ex-cons. They could have guns. They could have anger issues. You just don't know who they are. And so that's what made it frightening. But some of them, since the documentary has come out, I've actually gotten, uh, you know, a phone call and some emails from people who were in the family, basically apologizing and saying, I have no idea why mm. I acted that way mm. 10 years ago. So I know some mm. people are apologetic and have reformed. That would be interesting to find out who that is and why, what, what they were doing. Were they just some 13 year olds that didn't understand reality and how how you know you know what i mean sometimes adolescents don't understand the impact of their behavior is it that or were these adults i i it's uh, it's just i think ugh. it was i think it was mostly people in their 20s and i think that it would became kind of a game and i think hunter you know hunter's philosophy is is that if you tear other people down somehow it builds you up and i think these people had bought into that philosophy and they were just following their leader and you know, it became something they thought it was funny and fun to hurt other people, which, you know, the key That's to insane. happiness is helping others, not hurting others. Mm -hmm. So they just didn't understand what the key to happiness is. I mean, you, know, you don't, I don't know. It, it's very disturbing to me. It disturbs me from the standpoint of how many people have personality structures such that they feel it's okay to do something like that. And secondly, it's very uncomfortable to me to think about 
men's attitude towards women, even in today's world. I, I'm hoping there's less of that than back back when your daughter was was uh, hacked and all. But it it did, you know, we still do have a whole incel world. We have a lot of world of real aggression towards women. Uh, I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Well, I completely agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of misogyny and Hunter Moore is still a misogynist. If you listen to his recent interviews that he's done since he got out of prison, he's done a couple of these casual interviews with someone who was a friend of his. And um, I agree. It's like the internet has been a place where men drag women around by their hair and say, hey, look what I've got. So it's kind of was a men's only club. I think it's changed a little for the better in recent years, but certainly back then it was a men's only club. And, you know, people would say that, you know, oh, well, we want all the speech possible. But the what you can also say is that when you silence female voices, you're not getting free speech. You're silencing half the population and driving them away from their computers. So, you know, that's something to take into consideration. Would he not allow female onto the website? Oh, no, there were, of course, he had supporters. He had a lot of female supporters. And they were just as, had hatred for women just as much as the men did. I mean, it was kind of amazing that there were so many females supporting, attacking, and humiliating other women. So um, there were plenty of them. And there were male victims on the site as well, too. Believe me, I I helped. I remember a, a law student who had just finished law school. He was interviewing for jobs. I think he was in Mississippi. And he was absolutely terrified that his employers or people he was interviewing with were going to find his new picture on Hunter's website because it would ruin his career before he even got started. You know, I've worked with some people over in the past over the issue of sexting, which has a, it's a sort of a close relative of all this, but, but that very quickly bleeds into uh, sort of trafficking in uh, underage pornography because the people that are doing that kind of sexting sometimes are under underage or don't know they're underage. So there are some very powerful injunctions against that. And, and does the ACLU get in the way of those laws too? You know what? I really don't know. I don't know what their stance is on sexting. So I've kind of stayed in this other area as far as, um, you know, working on laws and helping victims. So I can't say what the ACLU thinks. Uh, <laughs> Wiz Chris is saying, look at Girls Gone Wild, Tucker Max books. Tuck, Tucker Max has uh, completely turned himself around and he understands he was a narcissist and understands he was doing some horrible stuff and has been in psychoanalysis for like about six years to get through that. But he's, he is completely turned around. Um, that's Tucker Max. Has, has Hunter Moore done anything <laughs> to get, make himself better or to you know, show remorse or, or change his behaviors or anything? Um, Hunter Moore, as far as I can tell, hasn't done anything to change his views. And I have checked his Twitter before it was offline. He's no longer on Twitter. And I watched a couple of interviews he did with a friend of his. And he said, the, he was asked, do you have any regrets? He said, the only thing I regret is that I didn't jack it up 10 times harder. So I don't know if that means causing murders. I don't know what that means, but he has no remorse. He has nobody to apologize to. He blames everyone except himself. He blames his attorney. He blames the hacker. I'm sure he blames me. And he Mm. still has the mindset that if you tear others down, it builds you up. He still has a hatred towards females. 
So it's very sad. It, and it's also so stupid because, you know, our country is very forgiving. And if he came out and he really truly was reformed and said, I'm sorry, it'd be a much better PR move because there would be people in this country who would say, oh, he's changed his mind. Poor guy. Okay. I'm going to support him now. He would actually have people who would follow him and, and be on his side if he were to apologize. But I guess his ego is too big. He just can't apologize. And he just, you know, he wants to move on. He's like a dinosaur. He's caught in 2012. And he just doesn't understand that the world has changed from the way it was back then. And um, I'm concerned, though, because he is on one platform. And I, I've never been on that platform, but it's a similar to a Facebook or a Twitter. And I understand. I've been told that he's starting to build followers again. And that does concern me. Um, and he's posting, I think it's consensual porn, but it does concern me what's going on over there. I hope he's not going to engage in crime again. Let's take some calls and see what people want to ask uh, myself and or Charlotte. This is uh, Blake. Blake, go ahead. By the way, Susan, how are things over at Rumble? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're rumbling. They're rumbling. Okay. Okay. We're good. Keep going. Love it. Blake, you're uh, got to unmute your mic in the lower left hand corner. Oh, okay. There you are. Top pillars. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a no, long I, story, Charlotte. But go ahead, Blake. <laughs> uh, Doctor Drew, do you know who Andrew Tate is? Andrew K. Andrew Tate. No. P A T E. No. Uh, okay. Well, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but this is not going anywhere. Andrew Tate. I'm amazed. I'm sure if you see. Uh, picture of him. He was, he's been on your mom's house actually a long time ago, but he's kind of a new Hunter Moore, I would say. Uh, okay. I mean, I would, I, I don't know. I, I would just say do a quick Google search. I can't explain everything right. right now, but beautiful. Yeah. He, and he's got a huge, huge touch of young, impressionable guys who it's alarming how many times I hear people my age talking about, oh, yeah, he's got good points, and he says stuff similar to, like, women are property and that kind of stuff. And So, yeah, you, the, should, you should check that out. Done and done. Thank you, Blake. Appreciate it. Yeah, there are – that is another thing. I'm glad, I'm glad Blake brought that up. There's, there's a lane in sort of Twitter and on social media and on websites of these – grandiose narcissistic males that are that are um what would the word be they're not just abusive towards women they are denigrating and and, and then they justify everything they do and say so, some of them couch it in hey I'm, honey i'm just trying to help you this is how the world is uh others are this is how i see the world and just how it is that's how it operates and as you heard blake say women are property and you know, whatever, and they want to be mistreated, this kind of thing. Um, are you aware of that world? Um, well, I mean, I certainly know that there are people of that mindset. I haven't seen specific threads like that. I haven't gone on to, you know, where there's a forum going where that's the conversation. But here and there, I've seen I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it a conversation. I would call it more of this, this dude, uh, spewing his stuff and just gathering followers who like to look at his, you know, his pontificate, his, his carrying I mean, on. That's, uh, maybe, me, that's you know, I wonder if some, go ahead. You what? No, I'm saying that's where I feel like the general public needs to come out and, you know, criticize that kind of thing and use their voice yeah. to, you know, you know, criticize what he's doing and to support the victims. So I think that's, you know, something we really need to push in our society. 
And unfortunately, well, and they have we to get really very famous before people notice and start talking against them. Because I've heard of this guy for yeah, many, many years now. Yeah. And now yeah. all of a sudden he's huge on TikTok and everyone's talking about Andrew Tate. But he's been doing horrible well, stuff for years. <laughs> but but I wonder, I think there's a bigger problem here, Caleb and, and Charlotte, which is what's up with our young males? How disempowered and, and castrated do they have to feel to be gratified by listening to this stuff? That's, oh. that's, you know, he can go do whatever the hell he wants, but the fact that there's a growing group of young males that feel so disenfranchised or unappreciated, whatever it might be, that they sort of are, so to speak, turned on by this. Caleb? Well, it's even more so the fact that there's so many young men that are falling for an obvious scam that any, any, especially guys, as they get older, you start to see these are young men that are being manipulated by some dude that's overseas that has lots of money that he got through. I, I'm not really sure through what means. And he's portraying it as these are the steps that I used to get there. And they're, it's, they're falling for a scam. This, that's not how real life same, works. The same, same, same. That's, that's a piece of the scam. Yeah. It's a the, piece the, of the scam. The bigger concern, it, it, but what makes yeah. them look and feel and be motivated to look is what I'm concerned about. Charlotte, do you have any yeah, thoughts about that? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just hard to control this kind of thing on the internet. I mean, everything is is really still the wild, wild west. And, you know, I just don't know how you control this kind of thing. People are going to have, you know, these types of views. I'm sure 100 years ago, the views were obviously worse than they are today. I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't a lot of men like that. But I, I think it's tough. I mean, you know, you have people and they're going to, you know, some of them are going to hate females and because of the anonymity of the internet and they can also come together in groups and fuel each other and ratchet it up. And, Oh, you know, now I found my buddies of like mind and we all hate women. And, you know, I don't know how you stop something like that because there's so many benefits to the internet as well. So I don't know what you do about that well, kind of thing. But maybe it's not about the speech or limiting the speech of guys like this. It's about addressing our young men in more productive ways. I mean, Sort of what right. Jordan Peterson is trying to do is try to give men a, a narrative and a and a purpose and a meaning and engagement. And I, 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 if I, if I, if I had to guess what's causing this, there is a certain level of uh, mm, lack of appreciation for the male uh, generally. But the disengagement, I think, is the problem. They they're disengaged, and and that leads to bad things. Uh, and again, leads them listening to guys like this. Uh, so I, I worry about the audience more than I do about the speaker in this particular case, because you know he will hurt people, but he's not hurting specific people with what he's doing. He's inciting people to hurt people, and those are the people I'm worried about. So, well, uh, let's see. We got more people want. To, uh, let's do one more question before we take a little break here. And I do want. I do want to, Charlotte, if you don't mind, also hear your your backstory because you guys just sort of you sort of brush past it on the documentary and it sounds fascinating that you uh found your way into whatever you wanted you just you just went wherever you wanted to go right isn't that sort of the story that did happen yes that is true so, <laughs> love to hear about that uh let's talk to amanda before we take the break though uh amanda go ahead hey there hello hey amanda hello hi there we hear you Hi. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? Fine. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> okay, Dr. Drew, I actually um, was one of Hunter's um, popular supporters over the years, mm. <laughs> and I recently stopped supporting him. Mm -hmm. 
And Charlotte has been a tremendous help throughout the um, circumstances. And the platform he's on now is worse than it was before, much worse, where the women are worse than the men and the men are like they compete. Like, who's worse, the women or the men at attacking people? <laughs> mm, God. Um, Amanda, I'm, I'm fascinated by your story. What, what led to your change? Because I'm, I'm interested more in solving this than pointing at it. You know, it's, you know look, what, look what he's doing. I, I want this to get better. You're an example of someone who got better. What, what were you before? What, what, what led you to that moment of change? What is the changes you've made? Do you mind? No, I don't mind at all. Um... Hunter and I, you know, we've met in real life, even though we live on opposite um, coasts of the country. And when I met him, um, his personality was completely different than what he had displayed online. And I knew him as a person. So we had a friendship. Mm -hmm. And then because of this platform, you know, I've been defending him for over a decade and because of this platform and me being in this platform with him, when I would get attacked, he wouldn't defend me. Hmm. So just as a friend, you know, I would think, you know, I've defended you for 10 plus years. Why aren't you taking a step in and saying something and telling these people stop? And he didn't. And to me, that's not what a friendship is. And I saw that the fame addiction mm. was coming in again mm -hmm. and that God complex, but mm. that fame addiction is very, very, very strong. And I cut off all ties completely. So was it the fact that let's do this, I mean, I'm going to put you on hold for just a second. Uh, sure. and I'm going to bring you back. Actually, I'm going to leave your mic open. So don't, okay. don't, don't talk here. So I don't lose you. Uh, we're going to take a quick one minute break and then we're going to come back and finish this story. Cause I want to hear more. You know, it sort, of, it sort of sounds to me like the fact that he didn't know how to treat a friend clued you into something, and I'm wondering what else you saw. So we'll come right back after this. Sure. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7 a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, oh, boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's not addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. 
I think we have found the holy grail of skincare. Genucel has absolutely changed, certainly my skincare regimen. I like that vitamin C serum, the under eye creams, skin nourishing primer. Susan loves the eyelash enhancers, uses it on her eyebrows as well. Genucel has everything to make us both feel and look amazing. Best part, the quality of the products. Using pure ingredients like antioxidants, copper peptides, and a proprietary calendula flower base, Genucel knows how to formulate products to perfection without irritation. For Susan Sheets, that annoying dry area under nose during allergy season, like right here, she tried everything, but no matter what, the skin is flaky and dry. Nothing seemed to help until she started using Genucel's Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer. It soaked right into the skin. She was hooked after one use and now loves all of their products as well. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because... It's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time and I'm so excited because it's actually working. Right now, you can try Genucel's most popular collection of products and see what I'm talking about for yourself. Go to genucel.com and enter code DREW for 10% off. That is G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com and the code is D-R-E-W. And Caleb and Susan are uh, developing a new package, right? Yes, we are. Oh, yes, I wish are. you would help me that. lose like five pounds, though. That would be perfect. <laughs> Different products. <laughs> Different. Maybe Can we get a sponsor that helps me lose weight? <laughs> no, there's, there's a way to do that. You may, may be familiar with it, yeah. No, but I do love the cream. And I, you need to use the anti-redness cream again on your skin because it's a little dry. There we go. Okay. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Listen to your mother. All right. So uh, we are here with Charlotte Laws from the most hated man on the internet. She figured prominently into her story going after the guy that, do that I think he even docks. He doxed and hacked and humiliated her daughter and uh, she would not have it. And uh, she was the hero of that story. Uh, Amanda, I put your mic on mute. You have to unmute it, mute it at your end. I needed to, there you are. Good. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, so there's what doxing is. Uh, people, we have been doxed. And most, most people that have any kind of public life have had somebody do that, that to them. Uh, but Amanda, what, what else occurred to you as you saw him mistreating someone whom, whom you thought was a friend? Um, him contributing. Like, uh-oh. Then, um... I'm sorry. Your phone's breaking up. I think that's on your Hello? end. Yeah, your phone's kind of breaking up on us. Uh, try one more time. Oh, I'm sorry. One more time. Um, just that he was letting the, you know, humiliation and attacks keep going on and mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. and was in a way kind of participating by just laughing out and. And it became public that I was no longer a supporter of his mm -hmm. um, on the platform that he has now. Um, he expressed a lot of harsh words, um, threatened a lot of things. But the platform he's on now does not protect really anyone. Right. So it's even worse, Charlotte. I wonder if you have questions for Amanda. Well, I actually spoke to Amanda the other day. We had, what, about a 45-minute conversation, I think. So she kind of, you know, we discussed it. And she was worried about threats. And she was worried for her safety a little bit. So 
Um, yeah, so I have actually spoken with her, what, about two or three days ago. Okay, well, you've got people in your corner, Amanda. I'm, I'm sorry you've been through all this. You, you, you okay otherwise? I'm good. It's just, um, you know, I was attacked from one corner before, you yeah. know, 10 years ago. And now I'm getting attacked from this corner now. So I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, I was asked to participate in the documentary and Hunter's mom actually suggested that I not participate. Hmm. <laughs> um, yes. Very interesting. <laughs> did she suggest, um, did she suggest, and again, we don't know if what Amanda's saying is factually true or not, but did she suggest in a way that was frightening to you? She just said that Hunter got a very bad vibe that it wasn't going to go well. Mm. And Hunter would always express to me that he had very bad anxiety, even when I mentioned to him that he didn't have my back to defend me. He said, don't be mad at me. It gives me anxiety when you're mad at me. Wow. But, wow. Yeah, it's it's wow. a very weird just personality turn. <laughs> Was he doing drugs a lot? Because sometimes drug addicts can be fragile like that. I I don't know what he's doing at the moment. But I mean, when, you, when he was saying that to you about um, being so fragile that you should think, be, be angry with him. About. Do you remember? Um, I, I don't know. That, okay. that was over right. a text. Okay. That's all good. But even when he was in prison, we communicated mm. and it was mainly the thing. <laughs> okay. You know what I find astounding about this? Thanks, Amanda. Oh, it's just, it's heartbreaking because. Mm. If somebody is incarcerated for doing a crime like this, usually they will tell them, you can't go back on social media and do this again. Well, they tried to take him off a few... Charlotte, explain that, what they what they attempted to do. Well, he was limited for a while after he got out of prison. And he actually has been banned from Facebook. and then, But he didn't have a ban from Twitter. Eventually, he was able to be on Twitter. And now he's been kicked off, I think, because so many people complained about it, that Twitter has now removed him. I don't know if it's permanent or, or temporary. So, um, you know, the judge had only said you have to be off for a certain period of time. They can't say for the rest of your life. So that's why he's back on social media or some avenues of it anyway. But I just feel like there should be like a legal fight for him not being able to continue illegal or you know, find a way to catch him doing it again so that he goes back to jail because he's not safe on the streets. He's still attacking people. He's clearly not like, he's not a good guy. You know, he hasn't changed. Even if you, he was your friend, you know, he, he's gonna, I don't know, something's seriously wrong with this guy. Yeah, I think that's true. And, uh, it's like when they let like wife beaters go back on the street and they go and kill their wives, you know what I mean? They, they let them out. And then the first thing they do is they go out and kill somebody. And it's, it's the same type of thing. Well, the other it thing, it's, it's a very much a story about this new medium that, you know, really was brand new 12 years ago. People didn't understand what was going on. Uh, the, the internet is a new phenomenon. Social media is a very new phenomenon. And we as humans have not really adapted to it yet. We, we don't fully, I mean, it's, it's uh, the thing I'm seeing and the, what's being described in this, this particular case is mobs, how mobs behave. I mean, human societies have been afraid of mobs 
much of civilized history. They've done, you know why the, you know why when you go to like, you know, some of the older sections of Paris, why the streets are so windy and there's no sort of public squares? Because they didn't want a mob to develop. They literally designed the city so people couldn't gather because if you get enough people together, they start behaving strangely. And now we have these massive gatherings online and no constraints. And not only, at least in the public square, you had the constraints of social decency and so whatever order was you know present in the community at large here there's zero there's zero anything and people can get away with anything and the mobs develop and they harm they're they're always violent they always they always come together to focus on the one and that one is they have to hurt that person in order to get satisfaction that's how mobs behave it's always been that way we're just watching it now in a wholly different context and, you know, pictures and things like revenge porn, these, these things have never existed before. And we, we have to adjust to the, the, the phenomenology of this or just the phenomenon of it, really. And it's going to require laws and it's going to require something that uh, keeps us from acting out in ways that are so, so destructive. Do you, if you don't get anywhere with, who is it that was trying to, to, to create the law for you in the federal government? Jackie Spears? Jackie if you don't get Spears. anywhere with Jackie, yeah. If you don't get anywhere with her, is there another plan afoot? Well, I mean, it's been brought forth, I believe, three separate times over the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And every time the bill has mm -hmm. failed, I know they told me, the la they last told me they were trying to adjust it in order to um, make it appeal to the ACLU and the individuals. Um, who are the defund the police people, but I don't think that's going to end up panning out. So um, there are mm. people, you know, like Cory Booker, who is very much in favor of a law. And even Adam Schiff now supports it. Because when I met with him a decade ago uh, in his office, he said there's no way he would ever support a federal law. And now happily, he has signed on to it. And it's definitely a bipartisan issue. I mean, you have both mm -hmm. parties supporting this. I mean, this could be the issue that could bring our country together. Wouldn't that be cool? But I would really love Wouldn't to be see nice. Something. Yeah, <laughs> we sure need it. That, that sure would be nice. People are too gratified by being aggressive and, and separated. Uh, it's just sad. You hear the desperation in Amanda's voice. And it's yeah. like, I don't understand. You know, we're friends. He's not defending me. I defended. It's like this it, sociopathic killer. You know, yeah, the, on some psychological level, level, he's just, he's like, um, well, you know, listen, or psychological one person, what is it? One or 2%? What's the incidence of psychopathy in the world is 1% or something. It's, it's a, it's a small percentage, but it represents a couple million people. But like, so, like she said, it's like Charles Manson. It's yeah. like a, it's like a cult. He's, he's building a group of people around him to attack women and men now, but well, and now women do attack women, which is such a different time because you can just like go on Twitter and see porn all over the place. So and it's women, like women attacking women is particularly concerning, right? right? I mean, I don't know what to make but of the, that. But it's yet. almost like entertainment to be mm -hmm. so mean to each other. It's yeah, like right. it's, it's, it's more about the, being sadistic now than it is about. Finding, yeah, it, it I, is. It is rather than being. Yeah. Rather than being in the Coliseum, we are sitting in these uh, social media spaces. Remember was, on on the show they were showing uh, Butthole Girl? Yes. Or as she would say, Butthole? Yes, as she would say, yes. <laughs> yeah, and how he, like, he dragged her in and he, he you know, basically 
made it so that she couldn't have her children anymore and it just ruined her life and she was just sucked into that and it uh, just to get famous and the fame is what's the bad and, part. and i'm not she started with get famous after that she was just sort of pressured she was just you know it was really young people can be pressured to do awful things i yeah what's that uh, i don't get it i don't get how he can he's allowed to come back and do it after going to jail for doing it like if that you want to know how this is all the this is all the zone. it's like going oh yeah you can go back and beat your wife again but okay. all this a lot of this is in the zone of persuasion and hypnosis and those sorts of phenomena did you ever see what's that guy brown what's his first name something brown he did that documentary on netflix called the push i think it was called where people literally were persuaded through social pressure to kill somebody and they did it and they did it that's how that's how prone we are to suggestion and to you know social like social Milgram. sorts of Milgram pressure it's like yeah, it's a milgram, milgram experiment is is an milgram is sort of a, a a very you know controlled you know version of that right. i'm gonna look this guy's name up can you help me uh, caleb hypnosis brown uh shoot darren brown darren brown and i think it was called the push help uh, again caleb back me up on that mm, he had a he actually had a show on broadway where he did stuff got people to do things they didn't think they would do push to the edge okay, caleb you just called the push i think uh let's see it, it, anyways it, i i remember watching it it was it was astonishing i can't be it's got to be around maybe maybe on uh uh amazon or something but it's oh, worth yes, it is on, watching it's on to see how it's the still push. there huh yeah it's called the push, the push. Right. yeah go go check it out guys if you want to see how how vulnerable our brains can be it's you know if you wonder what's happening online and how, how you were you know how somebody a seemingly nice young lady like amanda is persuaded to be a part of this whole thing uh me it makes perfect sense giving uh how i how i know the human brain works but let, let's that get off me to this for a second we're getting yeah go ahead i have a question about that actually so it makes me think of mm. i I have I suffer from this thing that I I call extreme empathy where it's like I'll I'll see a school shooting and I will feel the worst for the victims but then at the same time my heart will also hurt for the kid who committed the crime because of how how horrible must someone's life be yeah. for them to be so yeah. horrible to other people it's just it's unnatural and it confuses me as a person who doesn't even think that way yeah. so do we know yeah. anything about Hunter Moore's childhood and upbringing that could possibly explain why he can hurt so many people and then also still be so unremorseful even after being punished. Like, is there any explanation? Before, that might find? I'm going to give Charlotte a chance to answer that, but before she does, I, I know we all have a sort of a psychological bent in our understanding of humans, but psych psychopaths have a genetic biological problem. Weren't you with us when we talked to Dr. Right. Fallon? That's the, yeah. They, 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 me. a, right. a, a it's confusing because it doesn't seem human. It doesn't seem right. right. But they literally, if, they, if it's bad psychopathy, they literally lack the ability to have or understand or appreciate feelings of any type or very few. And so the fact that you have feelings, it's almost like you're the same. If you're like, if you were playing a world of, uh, What's the 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 World army game Warcraft? that everyone um, oh. no the other one the one oh, my kids uh, play uh, uh, Call, of oh, Call of Duty you're playing yeah. Call of Duty and you're shooting people that's the way he feels about you like he <laughs> you're just a you're just a NPC you're you're just you don't really exist 
You're an avatar, right? And right. and and as a, as I know, I I'm like you, Caleb. I I can't get my head around it. I can't I can't I, even do it. But I, I just know it exists. It does and exist. And there's no explanation. for I know. It. It's the it, explanation I mean, is that part of the temporal lobe where we. Remember in the early days, where somebody would be hung in the town square, and everybody rushes out to sit and watch that. I've never understood why people would want to do something like that. I mean, it's just. It baffles me. It's that's mob. It's the right. same. That's mob action. Yeah. Right. Mob, that's 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 how people people manage aggression by uniting with a bunch of other people who are feeling aggressive and focus it on somebody else. That right. that's right. how that's what the Aztecs did every morning when they killed somebody, and that's what the French did with the guillotines. And it's it's that's different than the psychopathy thing. That's mob. That's right. mob. Right. And in mobs, people behave like psychopaths. That's right. that's what yeah. happens. People start to behave like they don't have empathy anymore. We don't really know. I mean, you can read LeBon and all these guys. We're going to interview a guy that that is an expert in all this. Caleb, uh, he's a Belgian psychologist. I, I've asked for him to come in here, and uh, he will have some answers for us about how this happens. But it does happen right. in mobs. It's. I mean, it, but my the part that I'm most curious about, especially because of so many of these people that go out and are violent these days, are now these kids under 18 that are going up and shooting their own schools. It's a lot. Yeah. Most of those cases that I've read about, you look into the history and it's 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 obvious. It's obvious it's that they came from something that was horrible right. that made them horrible. Well, Some people may be born that way. But is there any sign like especially right. looking at the girl that spoke earlier, the woman that spoke earlier about how Hunter's mom encouraged her not to be part of this documentary makes sets off a red flag in my head of, well, was he raised this way? Is there a family history of this type of behavior that he he seems he literally sees that nothing wrong with what he's done. He has no money in this anymore. He's not making money off of it. He's not getting famous. We'll let Charlotte answer. Right, Charlotte. Let's yeah, I'm well, very he's curious. Well, gathering a group. He's gathering a mob. He likes he's being trying. ahead of a mob. But go ahead, Charlotte. Right. I don't really know too much about the parents, um, except there was a Guardian newspaper reporter who interviewed neighbors who said the parents are really nice. I don't know what happened with that kid. So that's kind of the extent mm. of what I know about the parents. I know mm. that Hunter... I have been told that he was a bully in school. Um, I've been told that he worked, I believe he worked behind the scenes in the porn industry, and then he brought some kind of a lawsuit against them for sexual harassment. And then he went to Australia mm. and used all the money up drinking and doing drugs, et cetera. Um, but I don't know that much about him. I mean, you know, I think he may be a dropout. I'm not sure if he graduated from um, high school or not. Maybe he did, but um, I don't believe he went to college. So. You know, there's there's not much background on him. I mean, he doesn't seem to have had very much going on in his childhood, as far as I can tell. And, you know, I don't know too much about his parents. Um, they certainly were not pleased with me at the courthouse. Uh, they weren't giving me smiles. I mean, they seemed like they were pretty upset with me for, you know, doing this with regards to Hunter. But uh, I just don't know enough about them. So they haven't seemed to, to also see that he's done something wrong either almost it almost seems like they're more worried about they, that though that happens a lot that can be real true denial people parents are right. often in denial about their kids behaviors that's a real thing um but uh leopold you're sitting there with your mic muted why don't we uh bring you in here what's going on leopold hey, hey man hey, Dr. Drew, how you doing how are you good and, oh doing great and definitely i saw the uh, most hated man on the internet and nice. charlotte you were great on there it's wonderful a uh, couple of thoughts, um, you know, men have, um, you know, followed other, you know, sociopaths all throughout history. I mean, That's take a true. look at some history, you know, like uh, Adolf Hitler and other, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, dictators and such, and there would be a following. But, you know, I'm thinking more about the the fact that, you know, the generation, you know, I'm 60 years old. So, you know, my exposure to pornography was stealing my father's playboys, you know, out of his closet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, today, you know, a whole adult bookstore is on every kid's phone, on every boy's phone. And, you know, so they learn at such a young age to, you know, access this pornography, which my understanding includes, you know, a lot of pornography that wasn't even invented when I was, you know, at that age a million years ago. Uh, a lot of it aggressive, uh, you know, aggression toward women uh, has been featured. Uh, that's uh, That seems to be a, a reoccurring theme. And then also, you know, the objectification of women in general. I mean, our whole society objectifies you know, underage girls and other things, that's a problem, of course. But I'm talking about, you know, the fact that they make, you know, uh, synthetic dolls, sex dolls now, uh, right. you know, things that are. So in other words, we have this culture that not only objectifies women, but has access to, you know, ridiculous pornography that's aggressive toward women mm-hmm. and makes into that some sociopathic leader who has a bunch of minions following you know, his, uh, you know, his aggressive behavior, you could see how it could, you know, this person could be created, um, you know, and I'm, I just wanted to know what your thoughts were, uh, Charlotte and Dr. Drew. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it, it is part of the deal. I want to hear what Charlotte has to say. Thanks, Leopold. Well, I mean, you know, Hunter Moore basically recruits these people to be his army for him. And, you know, they're his minions, they're his, you know, servants, they do whatever he wants. He loves that. I mean, it's feeding his ego. It's making him feel like he's the king of the world. And it makes him worse and worse and worse. The more people that support him, you know, the more his, you know, ego gets larger and larger and larger. And so, you know, it's it's definitely a problem. I, I don't know what you do about something like this, as I said. So maybe you have an idea, Dr. Drew. Yeah, it's really, it's just frightening. But you know, it, it, there's, there is something, The though. outcome of porn is, is not in a pot positive light here. Well, right that's that i think that's right and i and i think that Le, that's what leopold was sort of suggesting which is that the other part of the internet that we don't know the full extent of the consequence yet is pornography uh i you know it, who knows what this is doing to 11 year olds because they're being exposed to it we have no idea it's never happened before nothing like that has ever happened before and we have and what is it doing to these angry men what, is that contributing to it? And, and by the way, the angry women that seem to be acting on our women, are they affected by this? I, I, somebody's got to really dig into this. And uh, I don't know what we do. I, 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 again, like you, Charlotte, I'm, I'm a free speech advocate and people should be able to put whatever they want up as long as it doesn't hurt other people. But yeah. there should be a way, we would have to, we have to ad- address what it does to people somehow, whether it's limiting exposure, you know, with, you know, our kid, whatever, we have to figure out some way to limit its consequence. Charlie? Well, I can tell you that the porn industry does not like revenge porn. It hurts their business. Mm. And there also is a mm. an indexing law related to the porn industry where you have to have a driver's license listed for every single porn actor or actress who is in any sort of picture or video. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's like, a, there's a control. And the reason they do that is because they don't want underage people, you know, being portrayed nude. So they have this restraint and yet revenge porn, you know, it's kind of like free for all <laughs> do what you want to do. You right, don't have that right. kind of, 
So, um, yeah. So, but I do support people being able to look at pornography. I do. I, as long as it's consensual, I have no problem with that. And, um, right. You know, yeah, I don't think we want to be that we don't want to be saying this can't happen. We want to, we want to understand how it affects developing brains and limit the effect somehow figure out how to do that. Well, Charlotte, I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about these, um, jobs and things you've done <laughs> throughout your life this this is your latest adventure uh my my information leads me to understand that you've had over 30 different jobs including a lecturer at the fbi director of a legal corporation cab driver actress uh let's see fashion designer private duty nurse backup singer for elvis <laughs> what what the hell <laughs> what were you doing how did all this happen to one person <laughs> I don't know. I think I just get bored and I'm so interested to try different things and see, you know, what other people's lives are like. So I just kind of have tried a lot of different professions. And, um, you know, I mean, the cab driver, I was a bandit cab driver. I wasn't even a legal one. I didn't know it was illegal because this was back in 1980. And it was in Las Vegas when I lived there. And people would be lined up after the shows and have to wait a very long time for a cab. And I thought, Hey, I'll just pile them in my car and take them to their casinos. And I got, I made money just driving people to the, you know, various hotels on the strip from after a show. That's what I did. That's one way I made money. I, I think, um, I think after you finish with, uh, Hunter Moore and this, this, uh, experience, you should sue Uber, Uber for stealing your idea. I think you were the first Uber driver and they just took it from you. Now you didn't, there was no apps then you just had the idea. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's really funny. Well, I, I think you have to tell us how you ended up a backup singer for Elvis, at least. I went to, I just went to an audition. I, again, this was in Vegas. I did a lot of crazy things in Vegas. It was an amazing two years of my life. And they were holding auditions. And I'm not even a good singer. But I showed up. And one of the girls worked at the chicken ranch who had shown up. And the guy who was Elvis, you know, playing Elvis, had a had a moral issue with her being at the chicken ranch so he hired me to be a backup singer even though she was a much better singer than me and so i i did this gig and <laughs> that was my sit as a backup singer even though i'm not a good singer trust me <laughs> i see so this was not a real elvis backup singer you, i wasn't elvis yeah, presley it was an was. elvis well it, it wasn't was the real it was not really elvis yeah, it was yeah. an impersonal right no, I was wondering if you some somehow found your way into that uh, Hilton International famous fat Elvis yeah. experience where he was at the very no, end of his never, line. I never met Elvis. I was going to meet him the next gig before he died. So it was like the one, you know, if he oh hadn't died, it was I was going to go and meet him. But I had never, I never met him. And then I think on, I guess it's episode one towards the end, they, they, they hinted you having been someone who got into various affairs just by essentially pointing your attention in that direction and you could enter. What, what was that? Yeah, I was a party crasher. I mean, I still go to things from time to time. You know, it's a great way to get FaceTime with politicians. If you want to lobby for legislation, you want to get people who have money signed onto a cause. You know, there are a lot of good reasons to go to these events because, you know, currently we have a system, for example, where you have to spend 40, 50 grand to go to a fundraiser in order to get FaceTime with a politician. Well, if you party crash, 
you get that same FaceTime, you know, so it kind of evens the playing field a little bit. But I started back when I was a kid. So when I was about 16, 17 years old, and um, I had a very bad childhood, a very tragic childhood. And I had an abusive dad. My mom committed suicide. My brother was killed in a car accident two years later. And I was adopted. And I was the black sheep of the family and of the community. And I realized that entertainment people were much more open-minded. I mean, it was a very racist community that I grew up in. And so I was attacked for that all the time. I supported the civil rights movement. And that was just unacceptable to my family and to many of my friends. And so I just wanted a new family and the entertainment industry was that family. And I started hanging out with people and getting to know people. And I really appreciated that they were open-minded. And I also knew the value of causes and of what I call other centrism, which is helping others, which makes you a happier person. And so after civil rights, I got involved with um, helping with gay rights and animal rights is a very big thing that's near to my heart and now women's rights with revenge porn. So I've kind of had this life as an activist, even though I always hated the term activist because I saw it as a person who hadn't bathed for two months, who was running through the street with tattered clothes and a sign screaming at the top of their lungs. And I'd say, no, no, I'm not an act activist. I'm an advocate. But I finally have embraced my inner activist and I realized that it's very good to be active to try to make change in society. And so that's what I do now. But um, party crashing has been a tool. You know, I've gotten acting roles. I've sold beaded clothes. I've, you know, as I said, I've pushed for legislation. I've gotten people signed on to various causes. It's been an amazing thing. And and it was fun when I was 16, 17, 18. My friends are going out to the bar or going bowling. And I was like, now I'm going to hang out with the president or Frank Sinatra or Michael Jackson. I mean, it was exciting as a 17 year old kid to be able to do that kind of thing. So that's kind of my well, history it's sort of doing more, it. It's, it's sort of more than it, more than exciting. It's, it's sort of overwhelming for even for an adult to be in that, in that group, you know, in that, that level of intensity. So Caleb, let me bring you back in here because a few minutes ago you were talking about traumatic ch children. I, I want to, shine a little, yeah. you know, children that were traumatized, shine a little light on, it, it doesn't, a lot of traumatized kids get through. They get oh, through, yeah. and, and Charlotte obviously is is one of these people. And and I'm wondering if, Charlotte, you can speak to, was there, you used all the, you've used all the strategies that I'm used to people using to manage trauma, which is service and giving back. And I, I'm guessing, do you have a spiritual life also of some kind? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself a Jewish Jane. Jainism is an Indian religion, and ahimsa, which is non-injury to all living beings, is the main principle of Jainism, which is why I embrace that very dearly. So I say I'm. Did you have spiritual. kind of a? Yeah. Did you do you have did you have sort of a moment where you could have gone one way or the other, and you sort of just you know I don't want to say decided, but but managed to go a certain direction that was that worked for you. I had a moment on a hill with my dog. I used to read a lot of philosophy and I even read the Bible. I read lots of philosophical works and I had this spiritual moment, probably my imagination, but I had this moment where I felt like I had a mission in life and that I needed to work towards eradicating prejudice. 
that was like the mission. And, you know, as I said, I grew up in this racist community. So that was in my face as a child. I was called like an end lover practically every day by people I knew. And, um, and I later read an article that said that one third of people in the world believe they have a mission in life. So I was one of these people, obviously. And, you know, gay, you know, gay rights. I mean, that's, you know, any kind of prejudice against gays, against animals, that's called speciesism or against women, obviously, sexism. And, you know, so that became something that's near to my heart and supporting victims. And maybe psychologically, I felt like a victim myself as a child. So maybe that's why I had that empathy and I could, you know, really feel how they felt. I mean, which to this day, I mean, I feel I, I can walk down the street and see a worm on the sidewalk and go, oh my God, you know, and I have to rescue that worm. I mean, to me, Every little, every living being has value, has interests, and I feel that empathy. So, yeah, and I don't know, maybe that does come from right. my childhood, but I think genetics plays a really big part over environment. And as someone who found my birth parents, I tracked them down. I can tell you that I'm a heck of a lot like my birth family, and I was nothing like mm -hmm. my adoptive family. So I do believe, as Steven Pinker would say, that genetics is much stronger than environment. Yeah, and, and that that is probably true. Uh, it, generally speaking, in human behavior, whatever you're looking at, about sixty percent on average, generally about sixty percent is accounted for on the basis of genetics alone, and that's a big that's a big chunk because uh, the environment doesn't can only screw that up, really. <laughs> you know what I mean, one way or the other, uh, or you can make it better, but it's hard to make it better if if it's a that genetic burden is problematic. Right. But so, the resiliency, the the fortitude, the the you know the resiliency refactor is really kind of what you're talking about. But what's that, Caleb? Well, no, that's that's why it gets so confusing whenever I have this extreme empathy because I see people like Charlotte who mm -hmm. also went through all of these things and yet came out completely mm -hmm. on the opposite end, where now she wants to defend mm -hmm. people who are put down by others mm -hmm. as opposed to going the other direction that some people seem to go from similar situations where they become sadistic and want to hurt others. So it, it really mm -hmm. comes down to it is that person's fault, which way they decide to go. It, it, it can be influenced by things that are around wow. them and by genetics, but it... yeah. Kind of similar situations. It's so really many variables outlets. involved. I, yeah, I, 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 all, all I can tell you, yeah, I don't think it's the person. people I'm not can, right? Yeah, sorry. people can choose to get better. They can choose to get better. I, I don't, I don't fault so much people for how they are. I fault them for not wanting to get better, right. and that, that's to me what, what bothers me. And I, I'm sure that I'm going to just you know toss out just since we're talking that the, the, the liability that you will carry, carry forward is over-rescuing. Uh, you're going to be a, you know, rescuing can be a good thing, but not everyone wants rescue or needs rescue. Sometimes they need to struggle with their stuff on, on their own. Uh, and that's the other liability of having been victimized or abused. You, you can't, like, like you're saying, it's very hard then to tolerate seeing another being in pain. But that is not because so much... You know, we do empathize, and Caleb was talking about that, but it also mobilizes our own pain, and that tends to be what we think needs, you know, we, we kind of confuse it with the other being's pain a little bit, and so we want to stop it because we know how bad it feels. But sometimes that other being either A, isn't interested, or B, kind of needs to struggle with it on their own without our rescue because they become dependent on our rescuing. This is something I had to learn the hard way as a physician. Uh, it's it's not a it's not an easy task to be with people that are suffering. That's sometimes all they need. So, 
I know Charlotte, I know you probably have to go in a minute, but I was, I was really shocked whenever I went back to all of these old videos from about 10 years ago that were talking about all of this stuff as it was happening and reading through pages mm. of 10 to 12 year old comments from people that were supporting Hunter Moore and everything that he did. And most of those people I'm thinking have probably grown up since then and they probably regret those comments yeah. and they've lost the passwords and they can't go yeah. back and, and delete them now, but it, it looks, it just looks bad on all of these people. But to me, it seems to show a real dramatic shift in the energy of what the internet community supports and what people think is acceptable. Trolling, I guess, is what you would say. So do you is think there it's better now? I, I That's what I was wanting to ask her is, do you think that it's better now? Do you think that as a whole, that humanity and the people on the internet seem to be getting better with how they treat others? Or is it just there are a lot more people on the internet now that are drowning out all of those extreme evil voices, basically, like the 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 bullies. They're drowning them out now because there's so many more. Or is it getting better? I, I think it's probably both. I mean, I, I think it has gotten better than it was 10 years ago. I definitely do. I mean, sure. at least based on my, you know, I haven't done a study, but based on my perception. And um, yeah, and there are more voices out there and there's, you know, more opinions. And if somebody says something and starts attacking somebody, you know, people do come to that person's defense much of the time now. And I think we need to encourage that more because I think that's, you know, the way to combat hurtful speech is with supportive speech. You know, right. I think we really need to get people signed on to that idea. Right. Drown out the dark with the I, light. I completely sort of agree. Thing. Right. Well, much the way if somebody, I, I always think of just the public square. If, if somebody came into a, a public square and you became a bystander rather than an advocate, that's not good. You, you, you need to think about the public square. Somebody's being abusive. You need to step up and say something, and the more people that do that, the more pushback there's gonna be and the more civility will, will prevail. So Charlotte, I've there, kept you yeah. a lot longer than I was supposed to. Well, go ahead, Caleb. I'm oh no, I was just, go, my, the last, I have so many questions. I honestly, I just I know, came across I as know. this legendary internet hero. I, I was just so, I was just so thrilled by the end of it. I'm just Taken. like, you, Taken. you get him. I was, <laughs> I was just thinking to follow on from what I had asked previously is, is there anything else that you, might see that's happening now on the internet that you also think is going to go out of favor in 10 years from now that everyone's accepting at the moment, but they're going to really look back on in 10 years and think this, this was just a bad idea. Well, I mean, I think that the kind of the new problem that's really coming to the fore is the whole deep fake idea. You know, I talked about the more right. porn earlier, but just deep fakes in general with changing somebody's words to make it seem like they'd said something else or, you know, I mean, you can do a lot of things with deep fakes. It's extremely inexpensive to use that technology and, you know, law enforcement's way behind the technology, you know, as far as, you know, ways to combat it. And so we need the kind of algorithms and we need the kind of tools that we can use to um, do something so people know what's real and what's fake. I, I think that's going to be the, the big challenge that's coming up, it's already becoming a big challenge. And um, and I think that even if you have something where it's say a picture or a video and you have some sort of tools that could say, you know, there's a 90% chance this is true or there's a 10% chance this is true where people could at least right, get right. a sense, you know, the right, spectrum. Right, yeah. I think that would be yeah. very helpful, you know, some tool like that. I think people are somewhat more aware of this. There was a DeSantis video going around where he was being interviewed by Handy that was, complete deep fake and it it really was I, I fell for it completely i'm like very interesting and i was very interested in it and okay. then i found out oh somebody just put that spliced that together it was completely deep fake 
And um, yeah. so there you go. Uh, it's, it's, it's top of mind right now. Uh, Charlotte, congratulations on the documentary. Thank you for doing all you've done. Congratulations to your daughter's new new uh, marriage and her willingness to step up and be a part of the, the well, part of the solution. And there, of course, is her new book, Undercover Debutante. Go get it now. Support Charlotte. Uh, her Twitter handle is at Charlotte with T-T-E, Charlotte Laws, L-A-W-S. And uh, just uh, great to see you again. And I so appreciate you having come on with us 12 years ago on HLN. And I appreciate you being here now. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, Charlotte. And if you need anything from us, we are available. Tomorrow, Dr. Kelly Victory joins me again. Peter McCullough is going to be in here. Now, uh, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about Dr. McCullough. He, um, I was reading some of his stuff. And I disagree with some of it. I agree with some of it. I will see where he is today. I particularly want to talk about mass formation psychosis. I think it's an interesting topic that uh, people need to really get their head around because a lot of the problems we've had uh, from the pandemic. We're really related to that. We can talk about the circumstances in which that happens. But also, Dr. McCullough has some very strong opinions. I, I was particularly looking at his uh, feeling, feelings about hydroxychloroquine, and it's like, you know, that really didn't work. It, it just, a, there's a time to go, eh, come on. There's things that we have things that work. It, it was when there was nothing, okay, I'm all for, you know, we have nothing, doctors improvising, but we have stuff now. And, you know, I'm just saying, and maybe you don't want to use anything. I get that because Omicron is so much milder. I understand. But we have real treatments. And believe me, I've seen the difference between the real treatments. Steroids, Paxlovid, monoclonal antibodies. I mean, these things change that dramatically and instantly change the course of these illnesses. The, the early treatment stuff, we had nothing else, was sort of, might have done a little something maybe. I mean, I, I certainly defended doctors' rights to to do that, but we'll talk about that in greater detail tomorrow. The, I think both Dr. Victory and Dr. McCullough are advocates of it. I'm not so much, so we'll see where that uh, goes. Uh, we'll talk a little vaccine. We'll talk a little mass formation psychosis. Uh, let me just check in on with Susan. Anything um, else? You over on Rumble are talking about uh, first law of thermodynamics. Uh, the first law is conservation of energy. The second law is uh, entropy. Entropy. We have a physicist in the group. Good. They can give her a, give her the. I've just decided that this person can also be our moderator if they ever have a blocking button on on uh, Rumble, which they won't. But that's okay. <laughs> which they won't. <laughs> yeah, no, they, mm, they probably won't. You know me. I'm just having fun. Whatever. Whatevs. You're doing a great job, though. That was just a really good show. That was very interesting. She was great. It's so lovely to have her. It uh, is frustrating, though, that it's not, you know, there's no way to solve the all the problems of the world and all the crazies of the world. Well, well I wanted to show one more he'll thing, find, Drew. He'll use that yes. brain for good. You know what I mean? Yes. Hunter Moore. Yeah. Uh, yes, what do you this, got there, Kelly? This guy, he uh, DM'd me before the show because he wanted me to, to show this to you. This is a photo of you and James McGivney. He's the guy that runs Bullyville. He said that he was on mm. Life Changers and he met you a few years ago. And it reminded me mm. of the funny comment that was on the promo that I posted for this episode. And the person wrote, Drew, you looked older 10 years ago than you do now. <laughs> uh, you, look, you think I look older there? You, you look so much younger these days than you did 15 years ago. It's wild. I agree. Oh, a lot of people agreed. Caleb, yep. uh, Susan, make note. Don't. Caleb <laughs> is a permanent job with this family. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that year... Uh, that year um, was rough. I was doing life a daytime talk show on, on CW. That was Life Changers. I was doing an evening talk show on HLN 
was doing Love Line from 10 to Midnight every night. And we did, I think, at least one season of Celebrity Rehab, maybe two during all that. And that was insane. That was truly insane. Uh, Casey Gates just puts up Genucel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He's making more money too, but that's okay. He had a he had a good run good run of it. Yeah, that was, it was fun. fun. It was really a very fun year, and the 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 teams both te I had I had wonderful producing teams both during the daytime. Uh, a lot of those people went on to be executive producers of their own shows. You know, you've seen their shows all over daytime, and the HLN program we had just a crack team of really essentially 12 people that put on an hour of television four nights a week that it was that's insane Good uh, old Bert. and they did it and they did it and, and as yeah Bert Bert Dubrow and they now that they do it but you see we had an impact I mean here it comes back again uh, on a Netflix documentary 10 years later it's kind of wild all right so having said all that uh yeah the the second law of thermodynamics is about entropy and why things are always getting more <laughs> complicated in the world and that life is about um taking away entropy it's like uh, controlling it but i heard somebody describe it today life as a mining entropy was life mines entropy I thought okay that was so this is way over my head yeah okay so stop talking is what you're saying? Okay, I'll stop talking about it. Anything else, Susan, we should do before we uh, wrap up? Well, we'll probably be talking about COVID tomorrow with Dr. Kelly and, and Yeah, and Dr. Dr. McCullough. And, or censorship but, or whatever. Yeah, censorship. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about like while you guys were talking how how this thing with Hunter Hunter has been like okay, but we couldn't doctors were getting censored for saying the word ivermectin. Mm -hmm. So we're going to we're going to go back over that type of topic. That and what people think about the vaccines now and what about omicron and what about early treatment versus the kinds of treatments that are available I don't know. now. It's, we'll see what he's up it's, to. It's you know medicine is sort of reverting back to how it operates which individual practitioners are making their decisions on behalf of the patients and doing what they need to do and no one is getting in the fucking way. Yeah, of it. well, go back. If you want to go back and see the previous interview with Dr. McCullough, you can see how far we've come. Oh, did I did I talk to Didn't him? Didn't we? We, book, I, we booked him. I think him. I did. I, I, my recollection is I talked to him a lot about. We talked to Corey and we talked to Wait, McCullough. Wait, is this the guy that's in. Where is he from? Texas, I think. Can you got anybody help me? Was he on our show, Caleb, or am I getting him mixed up? Was he on. Which guy? Dr. McCullough? Yeah. yeah. He, he was, but the we, episode, we I believe, was taken down. Oh, yeah, but then it's on Facebook, right? Yeah, it would still be on Facebook. I don't think we were on Rumble at that time. Uh, Dr. McCullough is yeah, from, so he is from Texas. Yeah, I did. I think I talked to him. And, and, well, I remember talking to him. And we talked mostly, which is He's why a, it was so odd about why he got taken down. We talked mostly about what happened to academic medicine and the behavior of academicians and how egregious some of it was, because he is an academician. He's a publisher, he's a cardiologist, he was the editor-in-chief of a couple of he's major journals. He's an epidemiologist, and a, yeah. Okay, so we right, talked right. to him he's on also, July 6, 2021. He also did some important work on the kidney and the heart, right? That's what I'm thinking of the right guy. Yeah, so if you go to drjew.com, mm -hmm. you can find the link there. To but what? we did it, yeah, I remember this guy. The old um, interview. Yeah, so I mean, so much has happened since then. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. I, I hope it's he adjusts so some of his some of his ideas. I hope some of them are new. But yeah, you can find it on um, on Facebook probably. It's not on YouTube anymore, right? What is no. it? Or not our on thing? YouTube anymore? No, no, it's on there. Oh, it was a dose of Doctor Drew. Okay, that's why. That was my show. Caleb was. This was one of my uh, bookings. So yeah, so you can see a dose of Doctor Drew. Find it on drdrew.com. 
uh, I'll give you the link. I'll put the link on. If you want to see what he was saying back then, you can see one of my horrible productions. But thank God for Caleb. That's all I can say. All right. Oh, thank you. So we're wrapping things up. Everybody, thank you for being here. Thank you guys out on uh, Twitter Spaces. We appreciate your calls. Uh, we, of course, big thanks to Charlotte Laws. And we will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Uh, we will start on all the usual platforms. If we start to get into material that we might get us censored, we will drill over it. We will leave YouTube and go to Rumble. Is that correct, uh, Caleb? Yes, that's correct. I don't think we're going to have to. Okay. Okay. I well, think we're okay now. Right. I haven't gotten any bad news from uh, YouTube yet, so right, I good. think we're going to be okay. My right, disclaimer we'll is working. All right. Thank you all so much. We'll, Hopefully we're coming out the other side. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific time. See you then. Ta-ta. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Yeah.